to the Warner Brothers Podcast. I'm Kyle, joined by my brother Keenan. It is Wednesday, July 13th. Keenan, how you doing? I'm good. Had a good day of work and excited to talk sports. We hadn't talked sports in a little bit, so I'm interested to see how you feel about the moves with your team especially. Absolutely, yeah. I've been definitely looking forward to free agency. It's We're about two weeks removed from like all the big moves. It seems like forever ago. It seems like a month ago. But, you know, the NBA, ongoing drama, football's around the corner. We're probably about six weeks away, probably less than six weeks away from training camp and, and preseason. My so, fantasy draft comes down here on the 26th. They're coming to Florida. So that's going to be lit for a weekend. We got and, big news. Oh, gosh. I'm excited. I'm very excited for that. I'm very excited for football. But right now, basketball's still in the forefront. So. It seems to be, it seems to be, especially with, uh, with, you know, obviously the, the Kevin Durant news and the Brooklyn Nets news. I can't wait to talk about that. Uh, I can't wait to talk about all this. I mean, granted, like I said, we're two weeks behind on all this, but I think it's good, especially with some reflection, you know? Um, yeah, not everything has to be, I mean, especially when things can breathe a little bit, not everything has to be Monday morning quarterbacking. You can... Let things you can let things sit for a moment, see how that things transpire, how things really came out, and everything. So, true that, true that. So, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with summer league? Do you want to go over some of these free agent moves? I'll let you. I'll let you go ahead, and then uh, we can kind of go from there. Um, I'll, we'll start with summer league. Have you watched much of summer league at all? I rarely watch summer league. Same here. Uh, depending depending on the class, like if it's, you know, I don't know, a few years ago. When it was Fultz and Lonzo and Tatum and all those guys, that's the last one I can really remember watching. I'm sure I've watched a few since then. But I did watch I've that not, one. I've not watched any summer league at all. I actually haven't even. I don't think I've really touched anything to do with my Hulu live TV mm-hmm. since the finals ended. So yeah, I legitimately have not watched one program on Hulu live TV since the finals ended. I just realized that it's been. <laughs> Other streaming for me, you know, yeah. catching up on shows and whichever, whichever. But no, I have not. Um, I have not. Watched I, what have you watched so far? I watched a little bit of it so far. Um, I watched actually the Thunder Magic with Pablo out the other day. Um, he was out with, I can't remember what injury, but it was something very minor. He just was sitting out for it. But I watched Chet. Chet's an interesting player. I think Chet's kind of doing what he wants to in summer league right now, but also it's summer league and he's playing against people who are either undrafted or young rookies. So he's playing against pretty much his contemporaries. It's going to be interesting to see how he translates into the NBA just because obviously, as everyone speaks on, he's just so small. Like he's obviously tall, but he's just so skinny. Like yeah, he's, he's definitely got a weird body. He's, he's aggressive though. He's, he's, he's got and, skill. Mm-hmm. He's got skill, and like you said, he's aggressive. Uh, his shot blocking instincts is like what sticks out to me. Yeah. He's a smart player. He's definitely got game. He's definitely gonna have problems, uh, you know, guarding bigger guys one on one. As a help defender, he's as good as I don't want to say as good as anybody, but he's above average for sure. As he's as good defender. as anyone instantly coming into the league. Probably. Like I mean, I, I mean, I mean, with, I don't want to say like all time. Like since since Anthony Davis, there hasn't really been anyone that would say would be definitively better. You know what I mean? Like I mean that's just um, that's off the that's off my head thinking. I can't remember someone who's definitively better weak side help wise. He's he has a very good. I'd say Rob Williams. Yeah, Rob Williams would be there too. Um, he's got very good instincts, very good at timing shot uh, blocks in. The thing that I've seen so far in summer league, you'll see it with different bodies. Like when he sees actual like more grown men, man bodies, is he doesn't seem to shy away too much from contact. Like he just doesn't absorb it. He doesn't absorb it the greatest, obviously, because he doesn't have the body for it. But it doesn't feel like sometimes when you're that skinny, you are just shy away from everything, and that can make it even worse for you. He seems to welcome it. It just doesn't always work out for him because of the fact that he's small. Because yeah, we've seen Kenny Lofton Jr., who's you know a bigger athlete. You know he's mm-hmm. bigger even compared to other NBA athletes, especially like on the on the rounder side. Not necessarily yeah. fat, but he's like a thicker athlete. You yeah, know? get that Glenn Davis body, and he was kind of eating shit up. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. 
it'll be interesting to see like when he's matched up with like a LeBron on a switch or a Giannis. You know, I can't imagine that goes well for him. But <laughs> doesn't go well for anybody. <laughs> we'll see. The, <laughs> I know yeah, what you mean, sure. though. Especially him. Especially him. <laughs> no, but we'll see. We'll see how he fills out. You know, the way he runs. Like I don't know. It's true. You can kind of see with a big man if they run fluidly. They tend not to get injured. Like if you watch him bead run, especially early when he was like Chet's age, and bead runs really well. Mm-hmm. You know, he carries his weight well. Now it's a little heavy because he is heavier, but he doesn't he doesn't run ugly or run sloppy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Chet with the ball looks well, but I notice when he runs without the ball, he kind of kind of slogs around. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. He's not too tall like a Porzingis, so that goes for him. But I do wonder how he'll hold up over an 82-game season. For sure. Um, but, you know, we'll have, like with Victor, Wembyana, I, th- I hope you can get his name right. Like Wembyana, next year, he's pretty, yeah. He's pretty thin as well. But, I mean, he's got he's got a little bit more game. Um, he looks freakish. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, he's – he's I, I just can't wait. I can't wait to see what that looks like on an NBA floor. But he's <laughs> he's the best prospect I've seen since – LeBron, really, or, you know, just as what he could be, I mean, he is absolutely limitless. Actually, I'll say since Durant, because Durant obviously had a high ceiling, as did AP. <laughs> he didn't but, go number one, which is, I understand Greg Oden's Greg Oden, but, like, him not, Durant not going number one was crazy to me. <laughs> it's just too weird to think. I can see how you think that. But, but I know at the I time, mean, oh, I know at the time Greg Oden was, like, highly coveted. Like, he was, like, a can't-miss prospect. Yeah, I think he was, like, I'll say this, like, I, I mentioned AD. AD was a can't miss once he, like, he was obviously a high prospect coming out of his high school, mm-hmm. but once he got to Kentucky and really showed out, that's when he started surging up the boards. He obviously was number one pick, and then, like, he was a can't miss because he really was. Like, his defense was already at an NBA level coming out. Greg Oden in high school was, like, all right, probably his junior year, maybe junior for sure, senior year, but was already looked like as, you know, the number one pick. And people were comparing him to Bill Russell, you know, not just anybody. They weren't comparing him to Ewing or or Dikembe. They are comparing him to Bill Russell. And that's why there was such a, you know, debate between him and Durant because we all knew Durant was going to be nice too. The only question about Durant was his size, which was silly because, like I said, I've mentioned it on here, the first time I really saw Durant play, it was so evident at Texas within the first two minutes that there was going to be nothing wrong with that guy. And, you know, as I just said, they compared Odin to Bill Russell. They were comparing Durant to George Gervin, who, you know, is known as pretty much the most pure scorer before George. The Iceman. The Iceman. And he was known for his silkiness. And I also wanted to say, just to touch on that, then I'll let you go. I happened to... I happen to either come across or just look it up myself. I can't remember, but George Gervin highlights because he's one I've heard about even back then. Like we heard about how he's a smooth scorer, like you said, the Iceman, how he was Durant before Durant, mm-hmm. this and that. But I'd always kind of seen the same five highlights of him doing finger rolls. I never actually seen actual highlights of him. Yeah, and I would recommend if you're a listener and to you, Keaton, go go look him up because he he really does have a incredible smoothness obviously like Durant and like other scores but he definitely had I mean he's in the 70s and 80s you definitely see how he was a prototypical just scoring forward yeah and how ahead of his time I don't want to say ahead of his time but he definitely looked like a modern day NBA scorer you know what I mean he would flourish in today's game absolutely and uh you can see why the Durant comparisons were there because he was a lot like Durant, where it was, you know, not uber athletic, but above average athletically. And not maybe like Durant doesn't have like a a LeBron first step, you know, but he's the first step's good enough. So he can get to where he needs to be, got his shot off nice. I don't know. Go check him out. Go check him out because it's cool to watch. I feel like he's one of those legends that kind of, I don't know, his legacy kind of goes away as it goes along. And like I said, you know, growing up, I never saw highlights of him. Up until literally like a few months ago, it was the first time I'd seen real true highlights of him. And that's like, and that's kind of what winning does. Like he never won. So like, not only I mean, yeah, he's in San Antonio for all of his career, but the last year in Boston. I mean, in Chicago. But 
Like, no, I know what you're, I know what you're saying, but like also winning matters so much when it comes to that. Like there are obviously there are certain players who, regardless of winning, like Charles Barkley and also that's with the media too because he's just been in. He's one of the best uh, sports media personalities. So put that aside with that and the game that he has. But there are some people just because they weren't even in like fine really many finals or like any situations like that that they lose how great they were. Which is why I was that's why I was talking about I think I mentioned on here I was talking about Bradley Beal in the same way. Like I think Bradley Beal, not that he's as good as George Gervin, but that Bradley Beal might be one of those type of players who could go get you thirty on a give and every night and can go get you sixty, but you might not know about him in twenty five years because he doesn't even get into a situation to where he was really relevant in the playoffs. I'll kind of disagree with Gervin because with him, two factors go against him. Uh, one would be his he had a really weird career duration. I think he only had he only played like 11 years yeah and kind of like ended for him which was kind of common back then in his era the 70s and early 80s because there was a big cocaine problem in the nba so you see a lot of, like a david thompson's a good example go look at david thompson's basketball reference page and george gervin a few other scores look at them and you'll see like it's a lot like maybe a t-mac colby george you know all these perimeter scores but one day it'll be 15 points a game instead of 25 and up. You know what I mean? At the age of like 32, 33, maybe even that, you know, the late 20s compared to now, you know what I mean? Where it falls off because, you know, you're losing athleticism. But usually you see a gradual fall off, like mellow, you know? But them, it would go from 25 to maybe 15. Go yeah. check it out. Like well, I'm, I'm looking at it right now from. So he went. I'll go from 78. He went th- pretty much 30 points a game, then 33, then 27, then 32, then 26, then 26. From 83 to 85, it went from 26 points a game to 21 to 16. So in like a two-year span, he went from 26 to 16. And then he was out of the How league. How old was he? Um, this was 85, um, 33. Which is young. Which That's is, young. I mean, which is like, and he came into the league at like twenty. So it that would pretty much be like this year, Dame Lillard just dropping off, right? Like, it'd be one thing if it was injuries because that does happen. Like, yeah, like I said, T Mac, T Mac's an example of injuries because it did just drop off for him. But you know, big difference there. And sorry, the other thing working against Gervin, I would say, like I said, he was a seventies player. The 70s is, like, the least I know about the NBA. At least anyone knows about the NBA. (laughs) Right? Like, it seems like that one's the least pushed as far as, like, the NBA heyday. You'll hear a lot of talk about Russell and Chamberlain. You'll hear a lot about Magic and Bird and Isaiah Thomas and Dr. J. Really, all you hear about the 70s is Dr. J. And part of that is the ABA, the NBA merger, uh, maybe footage, too. I don't know, but you just don't hear a lot about the 70s, which which is really Kareem's prime, too. I was gonna say that was really. I mean, that was really Kareem's. Like when it comes to the NBA, that was really like Kareem's era. Like when it, I mean, like he was just the best player pretty much for the entire decade. Like obviously, like at, towards the end of it, depending on where, like Dr. J was there, Moses Malone was there. Obviously, Bill Walton had a couple years, but he got injured very early. Elvin Hayes. There's a lot of people during that time, but like Kareem came in pretty much like the best player in the league i mean i think he won mvp his rookie year and then was just kareem until the late i mean until the early 80s and from what i understand Walton would have been the one to challenge him but Mm -hmm. like that he got injured early because yeah he would have been he would have been the guy and that's why people and we're way off on a tangent because we started off in summer league we somehow got Got (laughs) now to to bill Walton, but uh you know he was he only had something like three quality seasons, maybe two and a half, and he made the fifty greatest list originally in ninety seven and still made the top seventy five. So his first four years me. and then he got injured in seventy nine and then he didn't play again really until eighty two. But like his last going. Oh sorry. My fault. I was gonna say back to summer league. Uh the what little I've seen though, I've seen some of Chet, I've seen some of Bonchero's minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a smooth scorer. He's definitely ahead of his 
ahead of his age as far as scoring. So he's going to have no problem scoring in the league. Chet's yeah. obviously going to have his moments. His question, like you said, is only, uh, you know, his body type and can he hold up. Um, Jabari Smith, I haven't seen much of yet. So I'm going to have to, I don't really pay attention to summer league because you don't really know much. You know, if we went by summer league, Trey Young had an absolutely terrible summer league his rookie year. So you can't, you can't really go by that and Lonzo was MVP I mean not that Lonzo I mean Lonzo's gotten much better now and he's a very quality NBA player but like off of obviously his draft stock of him going number two overall and then he was the um MVP of summer league because he had a phenomenal summer league and made it like Lonzo going into that into his rookie year was looking like he was going to be it for the Lakers and obviously it didn't turn out that way what other observations do you have about summer league um, or do you want free agency? I don't have other. Um, that was the first game I really watched the other day, and it was only because I was playing pool. I was uh, Danny and I had went out to a place, uh, Rudy Sports Bar, about ten to fifteen minutes away, and it just happened to be on too while I was playing pool. And I was like, you know what? I'll just kind of watch this as I'm going on. But other than that, haven't had too much on summer league. I haven't really watched all that much. So that was that. I just really wanted uh, Chet got my eye just because that happened to be the game that was on. Completely fair. Completely fair. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, I rarely pay attention, so it's it's cool to hear other people's takeaways from summer league. Yeah, same. I, I don't like to pay. I don't pay attention to summer league, and I don't pay attention to like preseason NFL. Like, and I might be that might be a lose like a loser thing for me, but I don't really like. I don't know. I guess I just don't fully care. Like, it makes. Like, it's big for a lot of people. A lot of people see pro- prospects, and for their teams, obviously, it's a great time to scout the younger talent that you got from the draft and everything because it's the first time you really can play contact football. It's not like basketball. But I don't know. I never got into the NFL preseason at all. Yeah, I mean, I definitely That's fantasy don't watch time full, for me. I don't watch full games of, of preseason, obviously, but, you know, First game, the starters usually play a quarter, maybe even a series, depending on what the team is. Yeah. Like, when it was Brady there, the, none of the starters would play that first Until game. Until really week play. three. Yeah, they'd play the second, third, and then some of the fourth preseason game. But usually the third game is the dress rehearsal. Yeah. So, but, like, with Mac, like, so this year, like, I'll probably watch the first quarter of the first game. Second game, probably the same thing. So probably be out there maybe a quarter and a half. Third game, I'll watch the whole first half because he'll likely be in there. And then the fourth game, whatever, Belichick runs with him. And by then, you'll be making the last cut. So you'll really be seeing the team that'll be out there. You know what I mean? To some degree, yeah. who's fighting for the last spot. So I'll, I usually give, you know, that much. You know, the first half of the last two games uh, and then the first quarter of the first two games. And like I said, in the Brady era, the first game would be <laughs> null and void, basically, for him and the whole starters. But yeah. I'll definitely have my eye on the Patriots this coming season, uh, preseason. Sorry, I can't wait. I can't wait. It's gonna be a fun season for the whole NFL, but especially the Patriots. Can't wait. Yeah, I'm excited for the Patriots as well. It's gonna be, it's gonna be an interesting year, a very interesting year. But moving on to the NBA free agency period so far, obviously the biggest domino of Kevin Durant hasn't dropped yet. But so far, what have you felt about some of the moves, especially your Celtics, who have made a few pretty solid moves in this offseason? Yeah, I'd say pretty solid is an understatement, especially Brogdon. We didn't give up anything for Brogdon. Uh, you know, got to give up Tice again, but that's that's all right. You know what I mean? We gave up Tice, I think a pick, like, knee snitch. You gave up like four, like three or four, like peep, like just young, young guys that like don't right. really matter. And, uh, yeah, you get a quality starter back. He'll probably be our sixth man, but, you know, that's a that's a crazy guard rotation to have between Marcus Smart, Brogdon, and Derek White, you know. Mm-hmm. As a three-man, any one of them can play the one or the two. You know, all three are combo guards. Uh, and then we got Gallinari, who is <laughs> one of my all-time favorite role players. We talked about one time mainstream and underground players he's one of my favorite underground players right there Gallinari I've been wanting the Celtics to get him forever yeah Uh, you love you love yourself some Gallo Gallo. you and Steven both I feel what's up I feel like Steven's a big fan of Gallo too I could be wrong 
Yeah, Stevens loves smart players. Both are smart players. Gallinari's a sharp shooter, uh, a willing passer, just a smart player. You know what I mean? Uh, he's not going to exert too much energy out on the court. He's like he's sneaky, six ten, I believe. So yes. you know, while he might not be, uh, you know, uh, a menace defensively, he's still going to be a plus defensively, especially next to like Brown, Tatum, Smart, Rob, uh, you know, Grant. So he'll fit perfectly right in. That's there exactly what we some, needed. There are also some lineups where, depending on who's in, just because of how versatile Tatum and Smart are, that you can have him as your tallest player on the court. Pretty much, Like, you yeah, could go can. with a Brown, Tatum, Gallo, Smart, and Brogdon. Like, that's not a bad five. At least, I mean, not, you wouldn't do it for an entire game, but you could do that for a five-minute stretch for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to see what Gallinari looks like. Uh, you know, it's funny how versatile these Celtics teams have been throughout the years yeah. and how well they can shoot. We really haven't had a sharpshooter like him. I mean, yeah, Brown is a great spot-up shooter. Like, Brown's probably... Just spot up, I bet Jalen Brown's probably 40% near there. Yeah, you know, definitely. he's uh, same with Tatum, but we really haven't had that kick out. Oh, I'm gonna get that three kind of guy. You know, Neesmith was supposed to be that guy, but you know, they really didn't give him looks like that. And Pritchard is that guy, but you know, he's also an undersized guard, so it's not like he's you have to hide him on defense depending on the series, you know. Mm. Uh, you know, he's effective in that Miami series. After that, the finals, it wasn't really much for him. Or sorry, probably Milwaukee. The Mil- the Heat series, he didn't play that well either. But, I mean, he was at least able to play some minutes. Yeah. Uh, and then Brogdon, same thing, man. I mean, he can he can create his own shot. He's a 50-40-90 guy. So he's you know, an efficient shooter. He can defend. I've he always thought he was it. underrated. I like Brogdon a lot. Yeah, Brogdon's the definition of an underrated player. So he's going to fit right in. Uh, I guess Stevens recruited him when he was at Butler. Uh Brogdon is talking about how he's always kind of respected the Celtics and wanted to be on the Celtics. Same with Gallinari. It's going to be a perfect fit. Uh, the vibes are great. I was actually, if we want to kind of segue into Durant here, there was kind of some discourse about would the Celtics trade Jalen Brown for Durant? Like, that was never actually ever going to happen, but there were some Celtics fans who were, you know, obviously very against that. They want to keep Jalen. There was a small segment of Celtics fans who absolutely would trade Brown for Durant. I was in that camp. I even said, Celtics fans, don't shoot me down for this, but I was even all in on Tatum for Durant. I'm embarrassed to say that. Ooh, I don't know. We'll pretend, I didn't, we'll pretend I didn't say that. I'll pretend like I never even said it or thought it. But Maybe we'll clip it just so people know you said <laughs> but, but Kevin Durant, I mean, he, he's a top 15 player of all time. And if you want to just cap it and say top 20, he's without a doubt a top 20 player of all time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, Tatum, as I've said before, he's kind of a young version of Durant, but Durant is the real thing. But we don't have to worry about that because guess what? We didn't have to give up Jalen or Jason, and we added depth. We added two quality starters that are going to come off our bench. Yeah, one, mean, of them being, one of them being a possible all-star level player, Brogdon, and he's going to come off our bench. So, I mean, it's already a perfect offseason. We still have a trade exception to use. Brad's a fucking genius. Brad is a genius. Like, that's all. That's all I can say. He's a genius. Um, we're only going to get better. We're not even, I mean, who knows if we make moves at the deadline, but I'm ecstatic. I, like, I'm ready for the NBA season to start right now. Like, that's how much I'm looking forward to watching this team play. Yeah, um, a lot of teams have just kind of idled uh, during this offseason, and the Celtics are were a team that were two games away from a NBA championship, and they've had the best offseason so far. So. So, I mean, they haven't really had to give up anything important. Obviously, Tice played. Tice is the only person they've really had to give up that played important minutes at any point during the playoff run. Like, real important yeah. minutes. Like, yeah, I, he was he was more or less out of the rotation because yeah. we relied on Robin. Yes. We basically ran a lot of Rob, Grant, and Horford. But he did get some minutes. I actually kind of wish he got more minutes in the playoffs, honestly. Yeah, I think with how but, Rob uh, Williams was, I think he should have gotten more minutes throughout to try to give Rob Williams more of a rest, depending on the games where he did play. But uh, Especially since he can hit the three. But he'll be a good piece for uh, for Indiana. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, Neesmith pops up there. I've, you know, Neesmith, I still think, can be a quality NBA player. So, and we'll he see has what the, He'll be in the opportunity to where he can actually see minutes. Like, it's hard... When you're a young player like that, sometimes it's good to play on a team like the Celtics to where 
Like for Peyton Pritchard, a young player like that, I think it's perfect for him to be in that situation. But for Naismith, some for Naismith, someone who could branch out and be I feel like he needs I feel like he needs to almost be on a bad team to get minutes to kind of showcase what he can do. I don't I feel like Pritchard's someone who just like fits in as just a perfect role player. You know what I mean? I don't know. There are certain players that I feel like fit in just as role players. There are certain players who have like starter potential and they need to be let to have that starter potential to see if they really can be or not. I mean, I personally think, I mean, obviously the coaches are there. Oh, yeah, has to be going with coaching. More too, than but. me. Obviously, they're more than me, but I mean, I thought Neesmith was someone they could have used like that. I mean, I thought when they did play him, like even in the playoffs this year, you saw him, he had a nice chase down block against Miami. Like he would bring flashes defensively, especially, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, like I said, they know more and they see him every day, but I thought he was one we definitely could have used, you know what I mean? Especially since we got him for his shooting. He was a knockdown. I think he was if not the best shooter in the country, near the best shooter in the country his last year of college. Uh, and he's not going down in coaching now. Like It's not like he's going to a much worse coach. He's going to a very good coach over there. In right, he's going to go to a Hall of Fame coach in Carlisle. So we'll see. I definitely think there's potential. I wish Ime and Stevens, especially Ime, in year two for Neesmith. Maybe it was year three. I don't even know. It must have been year. No, it was year two for him. He's same class as Pritchard. Uh, I wish we would have used him more, but Okay, he'll get a shot in Indiana, and we'll see. And maybe he, maybe he just isn't ready. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But, um, but no, it's been an interesting offseason. A lot of, a lot of players staying put. We were talking. Uh, we had, talked about the Rudy Gobert trade, right? I don't believe so. I don't believe so. We haven't talked about anything free agency wise except for leading up to it. That and then and and then there's Dejounte Murray and Trey Young. Those are those are like I'm just thinking the biggest moves so far. Those would be the biggest moves that have happened. I so think far. we did talk about Dejounte because that was either draft night or the day before the yeah, draft. That uh, one we did. We was, did not talk about Rudy Gobert. My God, they gave up way too much for that. They gave up a lot, and I think that's exactly what's holding up the Durant trade. Because I mean, the shit they were throwing out for the Durant trade. Let me just let me get this out of the way. I don't think Durant's getting traded anytime soon. I don't. Um... He requested a trade. It wasn't necessarily a trade demand. Important to point out, he's not exactly Kyrie or Harden here either. So, like, if this leaks into the regular season, Durant's is going to play. He's not going to hold out or anything. You know what I mean? Durant, um, Durant likes basketball. Like, Durant would know what to do if he wasn't playing basketball. Like, Kyrie can where? go find something else to do, and Harden could find something else to do, even though they both love playing basketball. Like, Durant's well, first will, love well, is what? I was going to say, well, Harden will show up and just, you know, loaf it. I mean, there's that famous clip this year. I don't know if you remember it, but. Oh, yes. 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 They're playing against Detroit, and he just let the ball go from, I don't know, the front court to the back court, jogged up beside it, and then someone from the Pistons came up and grabbed it. Well, yeah, because it was going to be a back court, but the ball wasn't close. He was like, I'm just going to let it go out of bounds, but the ball wasn't rolling. I was gonna say, but the ball wasn't going out of bounds, or the guy was just was like, "Okay, I'm gonna just take this and get two points." And then once he saw it, most people would like kind of try to scramble to get back. He looked and was like, "Yeah, well, yeah, can't do it now." (laughs) Exactly, he was doing like (laughs) not doing anything about it now, like he did the previous season when he was trying to get out of Houston, just not trying, and that's what he'll do. And weirdly. Weirdly, I'm kind of bullish. I'm bullish on Harden for this year. I think he's actually gonna have a good year. I don't know why I think that, but I think he's gonna have a good year. Good for him. Um, but yeah, back to the point. I don't see Durant a holding out or doing no. anything like that or being a bad no. teammate. He requested a trade. You know, I mean, one of the best packages hypothetically that on day one that they threw out was DeAndre Ayton and Bridges and Picks. You know, if I'm Brooklyn, I'm asking for Devin Booker, which the Suns would say no to that. And they but, can't technically yeah, do it without Ben right, Simmons being in the trade, but yeah. Right. Well, I think that was for, for Bam out of bio. No, I think it's with Devin Booker and like Donovan Mitchell and like most, but like, oh, cause they're all, that's right. Yeah. They're all the same. Yeah. It's something scale. about that. Like, like his weird trade, like the, uh, NBA put in so like he literally would have to be in the trade regardless so that's what sucks about that too not that the they're trading Devin Booker regardless for Kevin Durant but still right point is I'm asking for 
a franchise cornerstone. You know what I mean? I'm asking for a Zion. I'm asking for a Trey Young. I'm not giving it up for DeAndre Ayton and Bridges. I'm not giving it up. Like, I think the other best one that was thrown out, and this is, I'm hoping just a rumor, was that the, the Warriors would be interested in it. And it was something like Wiggins, Poole, who else? Wiseman, and Kaminga. So, four, you know, that, see, that is I would, not a great trade, but that's I a would look into trade. doing, if you gave a couple picks with that, I would look into doing that more than Aiton and Bridges. Right. Because you have right. Jordan Poole who could Jordan Poole who could be looks like he could become an all star, a perennial all star. You have Wiggins who was an all star last year and showed out in the finals. Kaminga, who's a very good prospect, and then Wiseman, who's also a very good prospect. We just don't know with him. He looked actually in his summer league minutes, he did look pretty swift. He looked like held obviously he looks good every time he plays. It's just can he stay healthy enough to play? Correct. And uh, you know, back to the Gobert trade. How much they gave up for him? Uh, I don't have the trade in front of me exactly. Um, well, I think it was Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly. They gave up five first round picks. They gave like five picks. It was or, some of them unprotected. I think two or three. Three unprotected. of them unprotected. It was a ridiculous. It was a ridiculous amount for Rudy Gobert. And that by default, as soon as I saw that, I said it's got to be. Got to be more for the Rams. You know what well, I mean? if that's, yeah, uh, that's what happened with Devonte Adams. That's why the Chiefs couldn't keep Tyree Kill anymore because they saw Devonte Adams get this huge contract from the Raiders, and it's like Tyree Kill's like, well, at least can be getting around that much, and the Chiefs don't have that money, so they had to trade him off. But like when when someone goes out there and sets the market so high, it makes it much harder for everybody else because now. You're like, well, Rudy Gobert is worth five first round picks. What is Kevin Durant worth ten? Like ten like you're not gonna trade ten first round picks for him. More so the players you want. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously you'd have players in it too, but I'm just I'm just saying, like like you'd have five first round picks and who? Like you'd have Bam and Bam, Tyler Hero and four first round picks? That's a lot. I mean it's Kevin Durant, but that's still a lot. It's worth it for Durant. It's worth it for Durant. I mean, depending on how you feel with you know where he is in his career, but and it, the price is going to be steep anyway. And by the way, here's the full details on the Gobert trade. So the T Wolves only get Gobert, and then it's Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, like you said, Leandro Balmero, Walker Walker Kessler, who was the number twenty two pick in this year's draft, Jared Vanderbilt, who's a good role player for them, mm-hmm. and then the twenty twenty three first round pick, twenty twenty five first round pick, twenty twenty six pick swap. 2027 first round pick and 2029 first round pick. That's a lot for Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert? By the way, way, I like Gobert a lot. More than I did a couple years ago. Seems to be fun to hate on Gobert, but man, is that a lot. And man, is that a weird fit in town. I hate... I'm close to hate the fit. I don't like it. That's why I think this trade's bad. I like Gobert because he is perfect for today's game in the sense of... He controls the entire paint, but if, but honestly, you could get someone like JaVale McGee, who is about sixty percent of Rudy Gobert for like five percent of the cost. So I on like I would rather go down that route if I'm a team. But the thing about Carl Anthony Towns is that you want him, and the thing that everyone's wanted more is for him to get in the paint because he lives by the three a little bit too much. I understand he is a great. Especially for how big he is, a great three-point shooter for a big man. Phenomenal. But he's also someone who's got a body to him and has post moves and needs to get and can get down low. This is just basically encouraging him to stay at the three-point line, and I just don't like that. And that I'm fine with. That I'm, I'm fine personally with. not. My thing with Towns, and especially because I don't think he lives or dies too much by the three. He seems like a pretty good seems to always have had a good balance, you know, of inside out. Like, he, he seems to mix it up a little bit. Kind of like Dirk, really. He obviously shoots more threes, but he makes a high quality amount of You know oh, what no, I mean? He's, he's a great, no, he's a great three-point shooter, especially for his size. Like, I'm not, like, he's just a really good three-point shooter regardless of size. I just I think that he should be inside more. That's just been, I don't I know. I guess so. I think he mixes it up. I don't think he lives and dies or even settles for the three too much. My issue with him and what I think they kind of shored up is his defense because his defensive potential coming out of Kentucky was supposed to be much more. And he even flashed that early on in his career. Lately, 
as we're entering his, you know, quote unquote prime years, that defense is dissipated more and more and more to where he's, you know, pretty much a non-factor because it's there. He's got quickness. I mean, I remember, I'm pretty sure it was that 73 and nine year. I think the T-Wolves beat the Warriors late in the year. And I remember a play where Towns switches on Curry and keeps up with him step for step, you know, with him trying to shake him on the perimeter and he gets a contest up. Um, you know, you just don't see that from Towns anymore. He seems to be all offense now. Uh, and I think, you know, that's why I disagree with uh, he settles for a three because I think he's a complete offensive weapon, you know, the way he does balance it inside and out. The thing I don't like with Towns is he doesn't show up in the postseason and he doesn't seem to have the heart Embiid does. You know what I mean? If we're comparing big men here or the toughness that Embiid and Jokic, like he just doesn't, he seems more concerned about other players and what people think. You know what I mean? He seems to talk a lot. Mm-hmm. And he does not have that play to back it up in the postseason or the defense. Uh, I'm interested to see how this fits goes. I think it'll be good in the regular season with him and Gobert and Anthony Edwards. And if you told me, like, originally when I didn't see the details of this trade, I thought they kept Beverly. So, you know, if it was Beverly and Anthony Edwards and Gobert and Towns, that's a scary defensive squad potentially because then, you know, you got someone out on the perimeter who can dog a little bit with Gobert inside. You know, now it might actually free Towns up a little bit defensively, but I don't know. We'll see. I'm very interested to see how this works out because it could go badly or it could go great. But I'm very interested know. to see it. I think they paid too much for him personally. I do that. I, I think, definitely do. I think it's going to be good. Um, and it's and it's also interesting, also hard too because they're in the West. The teams yep. they're competing with. Only the Nuggets have a big who is a substantial part to their offense. So, like, all teams are going to be going small. So, like, are they just going to be fine playing big when other teams are going small? I mean, it may work, but in today's NBA, especially where everyone can handle the ball, getting Rudy Gobert away from the basket has been his Achilles heel as a defender, even though he's a very good defender for his entire career. Like I like he's not one he's not like Rob Williams to where if you take Rob Williams outside of the paint he can survive and he can thrive actually out there. Like Rudy Gobert can't really survive when he gets switched onto a guard. Like that that that's and then that's gonna be with that plus you have Towns who as you just stated perfectly has been more and more of a liability year in and year out defensively compared to what he could have been and what he was perceived to be coming out of college so like that that in the playoffs as you were saying is going to be interesting to see i don't think it's going to work if it does work i'll say it i'm wrong but i just don't think that's going to work it'll be interesting for sure i mean i think it'll like you said i think it'll help in the regular season yeah and the regular season i think it'll be fine postseason though i just when i judge all these moves i only am thinking postseason because my obviously the objective is to win so, like, when I think of the Hawks move for uh, DeJounte Murray and Trey Young, I like that because depending on how Trey Young's just going to have to develop off the ball more and we'll have to see how he is off the ball. But I like that. I like having another guard who can control an offense. Plus, you have DeJounte Murray, who's a very good defender and also can play off ball as well. So, I, do, I, I personally like that Hawks move. They did give up some, but I do like that move. That's me personally. And they had to do something, and I feel like that was the best something they could have done. I mean, I thought it was interesting. I thought they could have gone different ways for it, especially since they've been talking about trading John Collins for the last, I don't know, pretty much since he was drafted, pretty much. He's been thrown in fake trades. Yeah. Uh, they, speaking of people who gave up a lot, they gave up a lot for DeJounte. They yes. gave up four first-round picks for DeJounte. So I do like it. And the fact that, like you said, he's great defensively and he can kind of hide Trey a little bit, just a little bit, because, you know, Trey's always going to be someone you can go at defensively. Oh, of course. Um, and he can take Trey off the ball. You know what I mean? He can Trey can spot up now with DeJounte. Yep. DeJounte off the ball, that'll kind of be interesting because he's not the greatest standstill shooter. But, I mean, I don't necessarily think, like... I don't know. I don't think it makes them a contender anymore so than before. I feel like they got one more feel like they got one more move to make. I um, I think it I think it gets I agree. 
I agree that it doesn't make them like one of your top top teams, but I think that to take them a step in the right direction. I think right, I agree I think with you. They f- need they need another move. They needed a star in a move. Now I think they just need that move. Yeah, they just need to get Collins out of there. I think they definitely are for sure a playoff team. Obviously, they made the playoffs last year as a nine seed, which uh, which also brings me to and by the way, last thing about Gobert. I, like I see them as a second round exit, and you see this by you see this from a lot of teams who have young talent, where they'll sacrifice a lot to get that third piece when they can just build, kind of like what Philly did with, and I mentioned this with Jimmy Butler, they sacrificed all that to get Jimmy Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid when they had probably five or six young players total who were young and they could have built together. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously they kind of end up where they would be regardless because I mean they they hit gold with Embiid, he's a superstar. Yeah, and uh, you know, obviously, it didn't work out with Simmons, but what they got back was a superstar in return with Harden. So I mean, they're okay still, but it's always risky mortgaging your future instead of building it, seeing what you got, and then make maybe making that trade. And then down. same thing with the Lakers. They obviously gave. I mean, they won a championship out of it. So and but when the eighth when they traded Anthony Davis, they gave up Ingram, uh, Ingram, Lonzo, Josh Hart. They gave up a bunch. But obviously, they ended up winning a championship out of it. We'll see how it goes down, how it transpires in the future. And then, obviously, and be, sorry, and I was just gonna say that's always gonna be the case with LeBron anyway. He's always gonna want to mortgage the future for that immediate. Oh start. yeah, definitely. And then I'm just thinking of big moves that kind of mortgage the future that may have hurt teams, like the Knicks too, when they traded for Melo. Like it was great to get Melo to come back home, but at the same time, they gave up so much that it made it tough for. That Nick, I mean, they had a couple of good Knicks teams there for sure. They didn't get past the second round, but they gave up a lot to get Melo, and deservingly so because Melo was a top seven, eight player in the league at that point for sure. But like, it's hard when you give big trades like that, mortgage a lot of your future for the present. If you can't make it work instantly, then it can be really tough for you. Absolutely. And that was actually one of the more even trades, that Mellow trade, because they got like probably five pieces. The thing with that, though, was they could have signed Mellow that summer. Yeah. And they went ahead and traded him anyway. So they could have had that whole core with Mellow, maybe given up two, obviously, you'd have to let go maybe, to free agency or whatever. Sign and trade or something like that. But yeah. But they could have signed him and they gave up. Speaking of Gallinari, they gave up Gallinari, Mozgov. Uh, I can't remember the other ones. I'd have to look, but they gave up quite a bit of their, their core. But. You know, they did have a chance at conference finals there. They lost to Indiana, blah, 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 had some injuries. But, you know, it was an okay run. That was the last relevant Knicks run, yeah. too. Um, but, no, I mean, you know, the NBA never stopped being dramatic. As I said before, sorry about the Hawks being a nine seed. The playing game is now going to be permanent. I am completely against that. I hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Can't tell you how much I hate it. Um, looks like they're increasing... The penalty for a take foul, which that I really like. I was going to bring up that. It's a one-shot. It's pretty like a one-shot technical now. It's a one-shot inside out of bounds. More or less. And then Adam Silver also talked about his his want for a 30-team in-season tournament, which that seems unnecessary. Uh, He seems like he really – sorry, go ahead. uh, That just seems – that seems like college. I don't like it. Yeah, it seems like he really wants to make the NBA international soccer to some degree. What, what's um, the point of having an what, – what is that tournament going to do? Exactly. He said it would be for, like, money or – I don't I don't fucking know. Honestly. What more like, money do a, they need? Like, exactly. I, like, I don't want to sound like that guy that's like the – like because I, I think NBA players, I think all professional athletes make exactly what they should. Sometimes they can get underpaid, some can get overpaid, but that's literally every walk of life. You can get underpaid or overpaid. For what they do in charity, what they do, ticket sales, blah blah blah. But what more money do they really like? How what what does that benefit? Like I don't think an intern, like an in season tournament benefits anything. And they're gonna say told the yep. Knicks won the twenty twenty eight in season tournament. What's that gonna be a new award? Like I just think that's pointless. It is pretty pointless, and especially <laughs> since you know they wanna a lot of the gripe for casual NBA fans or people who don't watch the NBA would be like the season's too long. Well, you're going to add a mid-season tournament with not just some of the teams, all 30 of the teams. I don't see how that works. You know, I don't and see what's, what's the point? Like, I don't 
like the good thing about the NBA playoffs is even though like now technically 20 out of the 30 like you have 67% of the teams possibly can make the playoffs now because of the play yeah. game which I think is even more which I think like you I think is ridiculous I think 16 teams make it 14 didn't was perfectly fine but I'm sorry I don't care to watch the bad teams in important games I really don't which is why the play in tournament is like the fact that the Lakers were, I think eleven or twelve, maybe even more games under five hundred, and they were still in talks for the making the playoffs is baffling to me. I think that's garbage. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, kind of like where you're going with it. If if you have an in season tournament, I mean, that almost kind of devalues the the NBA championship to some degree. If you're gonna do that, why don't you make the playoffs? seated one through 30, you know, do it college style, you know, 30 versus the one, two versus 29, you know, make it like that if you're going to do that. Cause there's no point for two tournaments. Cause that to me, it devalues the, the championship. I just don't you know? know what it does. Like it doesn't do anything. Like it yeah, won't make money for what these or it's not yeah. like these organizations are doing bad. Like I promise <laughs> you they're, they're these organizations are doing pretty darn well with their money. <laughs> like, like I don't, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's ridiculous. And he said there should be, he said he also wants to make an incentive for stars to play because it's still a problem where, and it's kind of the problem he set up. He kind of went, which I agree with, you know, he went very player friendly, but almost to the extent where, you know, I mean, a lot of these stars, a lot of these stars are playing, you know, 60 to 65 games rather than 75 to 80. I would, I would rather know? them just take the season down to 72 games and eliminate back to backs. Like if that's the case. Like I would much yeah. rather just like I even though I like having eighty two game season, I don't know, I just like having the it's been this way forever. So especially when you're comparing like stats and things, like the seventeenth game in the NFL now is going to furthermore skew stats, so it's hard to compare errors. It's hard to compare them anyways, but it's even gonna be more difficult to compare like the twenty tens to the twenties to the thirties and so on. But Yeah. Like the seventeenth game in that eighteenth week is garbage. Yeah, uh, the NBA though, I at least I would be fine with that. I'd love to like the last lockout season was awesome because not every game, but most games mattered. You know, yeah, whereas I'm good with that. Sixty six games to seventy two games in a season eliminate back to backs. So then your stars do play. So then we're keeping back to backs though. If you're eliminating. 16 games you can play some back-to-backs well i think that i think the point of eliminating those would be to eliminate back-to-backs like i think that's like why that's why a lot of people sit out that's what i'm saying if you just eliminate the back-to-backs but you want to keep the season within the same time frame i think you would have to cut it down to i think it would be six whatever it is but that's what my preference would be if you're going to do anything for having players sit and giving more incentive to play like i don't They've already, I mean, kind of like Richard Jefferson went on a, a rant about this earlier. I forget if it was during the finals or in the offseason. How much can you cut? Because they, they still have some back-to-backs, but they cut out a lot of back-to-backs already. They've got rid of the four games and five nights. There's not a lot of three-game weeks for these guys. Like, the games are pretty spaced out. And, you know, you play fantasy. I mean, you notice it. You notice it. You rarely – it's kind of a, a – a gift when you have a player who plays two nights in a row. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, no, uh, I I don't. I mean, I'm just saying from what players saying. I think that would eliminate that stuff. I don't think that this. I mean, I don't play in the NBA, so I have no bearing in saying this. I just don't think that their season is that that grueling. I guess like it is, but it like it's regularly grueling. It's taxing. You know what I mean? I guess. Yeah. I don't want to be. Well, I don't want to talk for them because I'm not the one having to say go from Chicago one night and then get on a flight and head over to Phoenix and then head up the West Coast over a seven night span and then maybe take get two nights off but head all the way to DC and like the flight. Like I understand that's a lot on your body, but you're getting paid pretty handsomely for it, and that is your only job. So. And- and flying private. And you're flying private jets, and you get a couple of good perks while doing so. So I think there are little things that you can probably deal with 
during the time. Like, and I'm also, and I'm pro athlete and pro like all that good stuff. So it's not like I'm trying to hate on the everyday athlete. It's just, or not everyday, the professional athlete. But I don't know. Some things it just feels like they're doing a little much. <laughs> hey, Keenan. Yeah. I got to go. I got to oh. get going here. Okay. Um, talk more NBA later in the week because I think we got a guest coming on with us. So we'll talk even more NBA. Probably have more uh, outside the box conversation, mm-hmm. more more random conversation that we would have if we were just chilling together with, yeah. uh, with such and such. Uh, cause we'll see, we, we got a couple guests lined up and then next week we got some music on the way too, but yeah. any other, got any other random things to throw at me? I know you had one at these random topic, um, but you want to save that for next time. I can say I'll save that for next time. Uh, the only thing that I was looking at today was I was thinking of how errors were defined in the NBA and like how to define them. You can define and like if you go by and put like the two best players in every single era, like the sixties, seventies, eighties go on. Mm-hmm. It's kind. Of, I was kind of surprised by it. You really just get like the top twelve or thirteen players of all time. I mean, one era, like the two thousands, was the only era that I felt like three needed to be there. Yeah, it'd be like Shaq. Shaq, Kobe, yeah, that was the only one. But it was weird, like, if you... Because I wasn't expecting it to just be that fluid. Like, the 60s is Russell and Wilt. 70s, Kareem, and I would say Dr. J, because I feel like you have to add the ABA in anyways. 80s, Bird and Magic. I mean, you then you could throw... I mean, the third people in, like, the 70s, 80s would be Isaiah Thomas and Moses, but they're not top 12. 90s, and Dr. J. And Dr. J, and Dr. J in the 80s, but I had him in the 70s, so I didn't say in the 80s. Um, 90s, Hakeem, Jordan, the 2000s, Kobe, Shaq, Tim Duncan, and then the 2010s would be LeBron and Steph. And I think that's like your 13 best players ever. Include then Isaiah Thomas, Moses Malone, and yeah. But it was really, it was weird how, and then Kevin Durant too would be in that, but it was weird how it kind of broke down that way when I was thinking about players, like two players from each era. It is interesting to think about that, yeah. Uh, low key, the two thousands make up a lot of that top twenty twenty three kind of you know, and the nineties really because mm-hmm. you got Barkley alone in there. Two thousands, you got not only Kobe, Shaq, and Duncan, but Dirk and KG as well. Yep, definitely. So yeah, there's a lot of talent, a lot of talent, obviously across all eras. But it's interesting to see how it breaks down for sure. Yeah, I was gonna say it was really weird because I expect um, when I was just going through, I was expecting there'd be like a little bit of oh the. If you just take the two best from pretty much the two best from every era, except for the 2000s, I feel like you have to have three. But two best from each era, you get the top 12, 13 players of all time. (laughs) By the way, elaborating on uh, KD, what do you think happens? You never gave your answer. What do you think happens with KD? Do you see him getting traded in the next couple months? Do you see it dragging out? Do you see him getting traded at the deadline? What do you think happens? I see... I think he has moved before the end of the NBA season this year, this coming year. So I think he is moved. I just don't see it. Like there are certain things like the Harden trade felt like once it started to snowball, like it had to go like him from Houston to Brooklyn. Like that just felt like once it started to snowball, he had to go. This, I feel like it's going to be more like the AD trade to LA. Like AD AD to LA was something that was talked about the previous season, then in the off season, then during the season. And then like, it just took a while to get that trade done because the Pelicans were in no rush. Cause they had to, they didn't have to be the Nets. What? Well, go ahead. I was just saying the Nets are in no rush. I mean, there's a def- there's obviously differences within the situation, and AD started to become a person who needed to get out because the fans are starting to turn on him too. But I was like, with Durant, there's just no need to get rid of him. Like, there's no yeah. like, there's no pressing thing. Like, I understand that like players players control kind of where they want to go because of how like what the player empowerment is, and I know they can make things uncomfortable. And that's why typically players do. Kevin Durant just doesn't feel like the guy who's going to make things actively uncomfortable. So they clearly know he wants to move. And once they get the right trade, they will move him because they want to get something for him. And they want to start building towards their future now because Kevin Durant doesn't want to be a part of it. But they don't, they're not pressed to have to get rid of him today. Like it doesn't matter. 
Yeah, a couple of responses to that. The difference with AD and KD, AD had what was going to be one year left on his deal. Yeah, definitely. AD completely, like, I loved AD as a player. And I've really not become an, a fan of AD ever since this because, I mean, he switched agents. I think this was All-Star Weekend. He switched agents. or the, It was either the weekend before or the weekend of. Switched to Clutch, right? Mm-hmm. And this was all after years of, or about a year, year and a half of rumors of him going to L.A. or wherever. Boston was a rumor, too. But it really started to heat up, obviously, with LeBron going to the Lakers. Then he switches to LeBron's agent, which, by the way, the Lakers are basically made up of mostly clutch, clutch clients, clients now. <laughs> Draymond's going to go there at some point, too. Oh, my God. Draymond, Draymond loves LeBron more than Steph, I think, honestly. <laughs> but, uh, Called him the B you word know. ever since then. <laughs> yeah, right? And, uh, yeah, AD, he switched agents. He shut himself down for the year when he really wasn't that injured, from what I understand. And then, you know, he inevitably gets traded. KD just signed an extension last year. He's got four years left in his deal. There's not many players in the league you can trade him for, unless it's someone like LeBron. And that's never going to happen. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, the it's deal, be like, the of- deal has to be there. And, like, a lot of people, they're going to have to have the money to ship someone there. Yeah, there's not a lot of trades that make sense for him. I think him and Kyrie both play the whole season for Brooklyn. And then, you know, weirdly... Especially with the moves they made, they've got a good, they've got a better team than last year, and they're returning Durant, Kyrie, most likely. So I think they play the season out. How that season goes, we'll see. You know, because I mean, if everything goes as planned without drama, which they're going to have fucking drama, because I mean it's the Nets. But you know, I think they'll be okay as long as they stay healthy. That's going to be a tough four-headed monster with uh, the Celtics, the Bucks. The Bucks got better. Um, Philly and Brooklyn, you know, I think that will be a tough four-headed monster because, you know, if if Brooklyn's right and they're focused on ball and they're just playing, you know, on both ends, they're as good as Brooklyn and Boston if they want to be, especially if Durant's Durant. So we'll see. I can't wait to see what's going to happen. I think they stick together, though. I really do. And they, they've already said, I guess, that they have no intention of helping out Kyrie whatsoever. So, you know, Kyrie might be out after next year. I wouldn't be surprised if Durant's there couple seasons i mean we'll see it probably gets a little easier to trade him after this season but i definitely don't see him moving this season and by the way we've seen kobe back in the day kobe requested a trade on Stephen a smith's radio show like publicly demanded a trade and he still was a laker till the end so mm-hmm. you just never know with these things no, no absolutely know. not and i i mean i if they played this entire season <clears throat> On the same, like on the Nets, I wouldn't be shocked. I could see, I I do see that. I do see. I could see Kevin Durant getting traded before the season's over, but I also I think it has to do too with how the season starts for them. Like if they were to start under five hundred for some, like just something's not clicking. I don't think that's gonna happen. But like they just start under five hundred, something's not clicking, and things are starting to go south during that regular season. I could definitely see them trying to move off of him. But I also but I also again I don't think they should rush into it. But at the same time I could see them being like, you know what? We are twenty seven and thirteen and Ben Simmons is looking better. Kyrie and KD are playing like they always do. Maybe we just run it out and we go mess around and win a championship. <laughs> like that. Like there's still a champion, as you were just saying. There's still a championship level team. They can play with Milwaukee. They can play with Miami. They can play with Boston. They can play with Philly. And those are going to be. And those are your four other best teams in the Eastern Conference. Unless it's something like Jimmy Butler straight up for Durant or something like that where the contracts match or even like this one's been thrown around Durant for Zion, I just don't see it. Unless it's someone where you can say, okay, he if he doesn't fill Katie's shoes, he at least comes close. You know what I mean? They like all star in picks. So Exactly. I mean look what look what they got for Harden. I mean, obviously Sim, Simmons and Harden was two I don't want to say damaged goods. But no, they're damaged goods. Like that. <laughs> two, two stars who you know weren't given their best, obviously, and Simmons didn't even suit up for Brooklyn. But I mean, they got Drummond and Curry in that trade as well. So they're gonna, they got that for Harden, who already, if we weren't gonna say he was quitting, he still didn't look at his best in Brooklyn. You know, even when he was playing, um, you know, 
they're gonna they're gonna want a lot for Katie yeah, as they the should. World's worst hamstring injury you'll ever see. Yeah, it might be, it might be. And like I said, for whatever reason, I'm real bullish on what his 2023 season looks like. But we'll see, we'll see. It's gonna be a great season. Like, I'm more ready for this. I was more ready for the NFL season. Wait, wait, wait. That makes one of us for what? Oh, you're being bullish on Harden? <laughs> that makes one of us because I'm definitely not. He's a guy who and just I, has wasn't, to- <laughs> I wasn't up until I seen him working out with, with Maxie already. And I'm like, you know what? He's in the gym. And he, like- did take, and he did take less on his contract so, like, yep. so they could restructure. No, I, you know, I don't actually hate Harden. He just annoys me. And I think at one point he was overrated a little bit. But um, he just annoys me. But, you know, if Harden does well, it's not like I'm upset. I don't mind watching him. But it, it's just, yeah, no, he does make one of us that's confident in him, though. <laughs> the confidence is not there. <laughs> I bullish. Just bullish. Not confident. Bullish. I got, <laughs> I've got good vibes from him. That's all I'm going to say. Good vibes only. But, good. but we'll see. But listen, go listen to the uh, Create a Drake podcast that myself, Keenan, and Andrew Franklin just did. I've gotten great reviews of it so far. It's good. Listen, it's creative. Shouts to Keenan on that idea. Um, Thank you. It's Warner Brothers podcast. We'll be back sometime. I don't know if it's going to be this weekend or before the weekend, but we'll be back. Keenan, great talking to you. Good talking to you as well. Peace. Right, <laughs>